0: Let's just pray together. Gracious, loving God, we just give you thanks for this time. We give you thanks that you have given us your word. And Lord, today we ask that your word may open up to us again afresh and anew. May you speak to us. May your Holy Spirit be upon me as I bring my thoughts and meditations today. I pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Now we are in our fourth week on our preaching series Um, called BLESS, where we are looking at um, five different practical, everyday ways that we can love our neighbours in in practical, real things. Uh, And over the weeks, we have actually looked at um, beginning with prayer. We have looked at how we should listen with our neighbours. And and last week, we had a look at how we should actually eat, not eat our neighbours, eat with our neighbours, share a meal together. Um, and, and this week, we're, going to, we're moving into the next part, which is actually serve. What does it mean for us to actually um, serve our neighbour? To do as Jesus did, to serve. Not to be served, but to serve. In order to understand what Jesus did in that time, and, and we've just had the Bible reading and we'll relook at that again, Um, just about how Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. We kind of need to think about this as as actually a paradigm shift, a paradigm shift that has happened. And a paradigm shift, and I'm just going to give you a little definition here. I looked it up to say that. A paradigm shift involves the complete transformation in the underlying assumptions, theories, methodologies that guide a particular field of knowledge or work. Paradigm shifts change... Existing frameworks and establish new ways of thinking and approaching problems, and they will often lead to significant breakthroughs, advancements, and disruptions. So that's a really, you know, deep definition in this. But if you think about this for a moment, about what Jesus did with his disciples there, and how he humbled himself and washed their feet. It's a paradigm shift that has rocked the world and rocked the church for the past 2,000 years and should continue to rock us and continue to challenge us in the way that we behave and what we do. Now, I just want you to get your mind into this whole paradigm kind of shift kind of thing. Think about it for a moment, you know. um, A number of years ago, the internet happened. You know, how many of us could exist now without the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic, (laughs) like like somebody's office, yes, I could do that. Although I'm not sure how um, all of the systems that we have in place now, like for delivering power and water, they're all interconnected. You know, we are so interconnected with this. You know, our communications, the way we do business, you know, finance, education, entertainment is all connected. The internet, the establishment of the internet was a paradigm shift in the way that we communicate, the way we do things. A couple of years ago, we had this um, worldwide pandemic, COVID. And actually, that caused a paradigm shift in the way we thought about work, the way we thought about worship. Suddenly, we could all meet in person, and then the next week, we couldn't. And so we shifted and actually changed the way we thought about things. It changed the way we did and allowed us to be creative. Think about this, you know, how many people have go down now to um, hire a DVD? Yeah. <laughs> They are not around to be able to do, you know. The internet came in and instead of saying, oh, Blockbuster said, no, people are still going to want to come and go to a brick-and-mortar store and wander through the aisles and hope that people have returned the DVD for the one they want to watch. You know, it, it, in our family, one of the Saturday wonderful things that we did with our kids is we actually had a Blockbuster around the corner from us. And we'd walk down with the kids and we'd walk up and down the aisles and we, they could get their DVD of the, what movie they wanted to watch. Now it's flick on Netflix and see what's there. Netflix changed the, took on board the internet and changed the paradigm of the way that we do entertainment. It shifts and our world shifts. How many people shop online now? Okay, there's a few people that are honest to open up to that. Yes! You know, um, Amazon has made a, a huge thing about this. You know, um, no, not, not having a brick-and-mortar store where you walk into it, it's changed. The internet has actually changed so much the way we do things. And, and let's just think about this. How many people write letters to their family to tell them about social events? you know, the birthday party that's just happened, and you go down to the local um, chemist and put in your roll of film and get it developed and then package it up and send it to... Do we do that now? No, we we whip out our phone and we take a photo and we post it on social media and it's there. The way we communicate has shifted all because of the internet, basically. A massive shift... And we're actually on the cusp of a new paradigm shift, which is going to involve AI. Let me just give you that little bit of warning for you. Our world is going to continue to radically change in the way we do things and the way we behave because of AI. But let me wind this back to Jesus for a moment, for not not going into this whole paradigm shift and, and looking into there. But let's wind it back into why I wanted to highlight that Jesus actually created a paradigm shift for us all these years ago, still being felt, is because it challenged the way of thinking. It challenged the current conceptions around who God is and what God does. It challenged the current conceptions about the way our authority and um, importance happens. It flipped that upside down. You know, Jesus actually, if you look across the Gospels, actually flips the whole notion upside down. Jesus' vision of the kingdom and the playing out of the kingdom is upside down to the way we would normally have it. So let's just go back into, you know, um, let's go back into John and we'll look at that very first section in John uh, verses 1 to 5 and we're just going to explore this. It was, Jesus. it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. I want you just to highlight that. Jesus knew that God the Father had placed all things under his power. He had all authority. He had come from God and was returned into God. So he knew who he was, what he was doing, and where he was going. The complete thing about who Jesus is, is God incarnate, God here personally with us. And so knowing all that, knowing all of this, that all power he had was under his authority, what did he do? He got up from the, ta- from the meal, took off his outer clothes, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. See, Jesus took not a position of power and prestige, not a position of honour, of the teacher. He took on... The lowly position. He took on the position of the servant. And he washed his disciples' feet. See, if he, if, you know, and he did it freely. He didn't do it under, you know, um, coercion or anything of that sort. He, he, he went freely and did this. And I want you to actually understand the significance of this. Here is Jesus, he's he's God, God in the flesh. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the creator and sustainer of all things. And there's no one higher than him. And what does Jesus do? He chooses to be the low. He chooses to serve. He chooses to not take the position, the honoured position of of, of somebody there as the teacher. And I want you to think about it for a moment. Now, this is going to be a little gross. How many people um, love washing other people's feet? Anybody done it? It's just love, love coming in doing that, you know. Let's, let's think about it for a moment. Now, we, don't, we wear shoes that are quite different to back in the time. Um, and we have sanitation. We have uh, sewer systems that work well. We don't have animals, well, we do have some animals roaming around here, but we don't have animals like they used to just walking around. We don't have roads that are like dusty and dirty and stuff. We don't have open sewers. Think about it for a moment. You're walking around and Jesus is saying, if you wash yourself, you know, you bathe yourself, wash yourself, you are clean, it's just as you're walking around, you're going to get dirty. And that's going to be your feet. And the reality is, That when you would come in, if you're an honoured guest, you're important There, they would wash your feet coming into the house. There would be a servant who would sit down and wash your feet. That's pretty gross. It's a pretty gross kind of thing when you're thinking about it. Pretty filthy. The other thing we need to keep in mind when we are looking at this passage is the cultural significance around here. Because in that time, and it still plays out today, I have to say this, the, honor, the, the, the culture of honour and prestige, the culture, the, the culture of position and power still plays out. And, so, so, and we see this play out with one of the disciples, don't we? We see Peter kind of going, hang on, you shouldn't be washing my feet. why does he say that? Why does Peter go on to that? Because because there's a whole thing about status. There's a whole thing about shame. You know, and and Peter's going, Jesus, you are lowering your status here. Jesus, you are actually bringing shame on yourself here by doing this. I don't want me to be the one that's going to let you bring shame upon yourself. I want you to, you know, I'm honouring you. I want you to be lifted up. You shouldn't be doing this for me. That's for a servant. Position, power, status, honour, shame, that's all there. And Jesus goes, that's not important. I'm here to serve. There's no one greater than the one that serves and washes. It's incredibly challenging for us. It challenged the disciples and it continues to challenge us as the church and believers of how we use our position and our importance and whether we actually say we are too important to do something menial. Have you ever thought that, hang on, oh, that's a task for somebody else? I don't know. Maybe you have. Occasionally it's gone, oh, no, somebody else can do that. It shouldn't be that way. Should we go? there should be nothing that we shouldn't be willing to do to show love to others. So this is what Peter. This is what Simon Peter. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, "Lord, you are going to are you going to wash my feet?" Jesus replied, "Do you not realize what I am doing? But later you will understand." No said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Then Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will be no part of me. So in other words, you will not be a part of this new kingdom. You will not be a part of what's happening because you do not understand. You need to learn to humble yourself. You need to learn to be willing to accept this, the service that Jesus gave. So, The message is actually pretty simple today. If Jesus is able to lower himself and serve somebody, then so should we. It's a pretty simple message for us. So our fourth way of blessing our neighbour, guess what, is to serve them. And there are three variations of um, serving that I want us to kind of understand and kind of of get to grips with. And I'll put the three up on the screen for you. Um, And they are serve your neighbour. So Quite simply, serve your neighbour. The other one is to serve with your neighbour. And the last one is to actually let your neighbor serve you. Notice that we've got the three different things about serving. Serve your neighbor, serve with your neighbor, let your neighbor serve you. So let's just explore that for a moment. So think about this. If you, if you want to serve your neighbor, and, and if we've been going through this whole blessed process about beginning with prayer, about listening, about eating, we're actually starting to get to know our neighbors. We've been praying for them by name. We've been talking with them. We've been listening. We've been eating. We've been conversing. We're getting to know them. So why don't we actually do something for them? Why don't we actually take what we're learning, what we're praying for, what God might be placing on our heart to do with them, and actually do something practical for them? Say they're unwell, why don't we cook them a meal? Bring it round. Simple, practical. They don't have to be outrageous. We don't have to go around and go, hang oh, on, rip your shoes off, pull your socks off, I'm going to wash your feet. It doesn't have to be that. It can be simple things. They're meant to be everyday things. Simple things that we can do, you know. It, it, it may be that, um, uh, that things are going tough, you know, sick, maybe you want to go and help them out with shopping or pick the kids up or something like that, simple neighbours. But you have to get to know them. You have to understand them. Simple like things. But what happens if you want to serve with your neighbor? So there's a there's a nuance, there's a change in that. In that as you are talking, you're starting to understand what are the things that are important to the people around you. Important for them to be involved in. Um, They may actually go, actually I want to be a part I'm part of the Bush regeneration in my area or, or they, you know, they, they volunteer in a soup kitchen. Serve with your neighbour would actually say, hang on, I, I, I want to serve with you. I want to, you know, you're not, you don't say that aloud to them. You're going, actually, that sounds really interesting. I'd love to come and do that with you. So you kind of go, actually, you're doing bush reading? I'd love to come and do that with you. Would that be okay? And so then you are serving alongside of them in the passion that they have. You're showing that you actually care for them. And care for what is important for them. They're serving in a soup kitchen. What do you do? You go and serve with them in the soup kitchen. It's showing that you value their opinion, their ideas. You are showing unconditional love in real practical ways there. And then the last of these is let them serve you. You know, Jesus was there. He was washing the feet. And Peter's going, no, 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 don't don't do that. Don't do that. But you've actually got to also let somebody serve you at times. There's a principle that, um, that is a very, very biblical principle and it's part of building a discipling culture, something that we, you learn. It's, it's looking for a persons of peace. And, and in that persons of peace um, is actually understanding that uh, you, you're looking for people that um, like you, listen to you, and serve you. It's actually the model that Jesus gave to his disciples when he sent them out into the villages in order to go and spread the good news, was to to look for for people that are going to open their homes to you and serve you and help you. There's this two-sided part to serving. Yes, we often scramble over wanting to do things for people and looking for things and going, isn't it great? I'm humbling myself for doing that. But there's also the importance of being willing to actually let somebody do something for you as well because it gives honour to that person that they are doing something for you and being willing to accept it openly. There's that two sides of the coin to this service thing: to do service for others and to accept service from somebody else. It's incredibly powerful when you do that. And let me, just, let me just share with you from Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 6 to 10. And it says, um, then, then Jesus went into the villages um, to teach the people, and he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. And he told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick, no food, no traveler's bag, no money. And he allowed them... To wear sandals, but not to take a change of clothes. Wherever you go, he said, stay in the house until you leave that town. He's actually going, that's the principle of letting somebody serve you. Provide that hospitality, provide that care for you in there. So as you've been praying for your neighbour by name, and and as we said, that definition around neighbour is those people that are around you, physically connected with you. Or it may be that they are connected through a sporting club or maybe through work. Those, those people that are around you, you're praying for them. Just taking eight people, praying for them. And then you start the process of listening to them. So you're listening to the neighbour. You're eating with your neighbour. Now comes the time to serve. Whether it's actually to do something specifically for them because there's an issue. There's something in their life that's cropped up that you've learnt, you've understood. You just want to serve them. Or maybe it's they've got a passion. They want to help out. They want to help and do something that is that it will change the world because you know it's helping and caring for the world around us. And you're going, that's fantastic. God's placing that on my heart as well. I want to come and do that. Even that language of actually saying, yeah, actually, that's on my heart as well. I'd love to do that with you. Is such a it's such a big witness to those people, um, or or just letting them do something for you. It's actually putting aside our privilege, our power, our prestige putting on a towel, and washing our feet, metaphorically, is getting alongside people. It's about serving those who God has placed in our lives. So we're going to love our neighbour as ourselves. And we're going to do that through by praying for them by name, by listening to them, by eating with them, and by serving with them. So let's just pray. Gracious, loving God, you you call us again and again to be a blessing to those around us. Lord, may you continue to bless us so that we may bless those around us. Bless our neighbours. Bless our work colleagues. Bless those who are in our sporting clubs and teams that we relate to. Bless our families. Lord, may you continue to challenge and change our hearts to be one of a servitude, one are where, where we are willing to humble ourselves. Oh Lord today, I especially think of our nation. I think of our nation and all those, uh, all our Aboriginal brothers and sisters that feel unheard that feel rejected, pushed aside. And Lord, I just pray that we may continue to listen to them now. May we find a way to, to serve them, to come alongside of them. May we provide, find a way to share with them in a meal. Lord, we pray for... Lord, today we pray for reconciliation. We pray for wholeness. We pray pray that our nation may become one where we continue, continue to lift those up who are least amongst us, who are are put aside because of race, because of colour. Lord, let us break down the bonds of racism. Let's break down the barriers that we've placed there through our society. Let us change our hearts. Let us change our hearts to be more open, not to have a place of power or privilege, but a place where we come to serve. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus, who is willing to get on his knees and wash the feet of those around us. Lord, we just pray this in your name. Amen.